What's up, Penguins fans? Happy Monday. It's October 10th, three days to go for the Pittsburgh Penguins before they kick off the regular season against the Arizona Coyotes. We finally basically made it. Um, the offseason is um, over, I should say, at this point. We had a couple of regular season games overseas this weekend. Um, the, the regular season inside the United States, at least, kicks off on Tuesday with Tampa Bay playing New York, and then there's a West Coast game. Um, with Vegas playing. Um, but for today's episode, we're going to have Justin Marshall of The Athletic join the show again for the first time in quite a while. But, you know, it's going to be a full season preview for today's episode. We're going to touch on everything from the 23-man roster, bold predictions from him, impressions from training camp and preseason, who he sees potentially as breakout players for the Penguins this year, um, and so much more. So that's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Penguins, And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Joining me now is the man, the myth, the legend from The Athletic. Jesse Marshall has not been on the show in, um, I should say, about a couple months now, I think. But, you know, what better time to come on just a few days before the Penguins regular season starts to preview the entire season. So, um, Jesse, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for coming back on. Um, you know, I guess we'll just jump right into it. So, Penguins announced that 23-man roster today. Um, some people were freaking out about Ty Smith not being on there. Um, if you're asking me, I think he'll probably be on there on Thursday. I know I said it um, last week that I expect him to make the team, so I guess I'm kind of taking a little bit of an L right now, but um, they mainly only did this for cap purposes. Um, it kind of reminds me of said them sending Eric Tangrady down to Wheeling um, several years ago. I think then he came back up for the uh, – um, the first game. Um, do you see a similar situation like that happening, or do you think it's going to take a couple games for him to come back up? Yeah, it really depends. They don't have, you know, and this is based off of the reporting of Rob Rossi, uh, my good friend Rob. And by the way, before we start the show, Hunter, thanks for all the nice things you said, and congratulations to you on a year doing the show, uh, over a year now. Very, very great. I've listened to it. Enjoy it. I'm glad to have you here. Congrats. Uh, they're trying to trade P.O. Joseph, I think, is what they're trying to do. <laughs> I think that's like, that's, you know, I, I think I, I question, Hunt, whether they would have sent P.O.J. down if Zohorna had declared. Like, I just kind of get the sense that, like, they got maybe a little bit spooked there and they were like, oh, we don't want to lose another player for absolutely no reason. Right. And I, look, Zohorna's limit, right? His limit is. You know, probably a fourth line player, right? I think a lot of people loved him because he was his nickname was Big Z. Uh, you know, he scored a couple <laughs> nice goals. I, I think there was a little bit more hype. We both said this on Twitter. People needed to calm down a little bit, right, with the Zorn thing. But I do think there's a reality there to say like that was a loss for nothing. The depth in this organization isn't very good. Uh, I don't think they're in a position where uh, you know, they have no bargaining power right now. Everybody knows the Penguins are in this position. <laughs> so they're not just going to, you know, come, you know, uh, lining up to to get a shot at, at P.O. Joseph. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that they, they felt that Smith not having the clear was the safer play. Um, they needed to get cap compliant. 
I will say, I just don't know that he'll be back by Thursday, right? I, I think he'll be back. I think that uh, all indications are that the coaching staff wants him to be on this team. They think he's good enough to play in the National Hockey League. We all saw what he did in the preseason. I think it was, um, you know, preseason, you know, <coughs> noting that it was the preseason. Um, it was, he looked good. He looked very good. So yeah. they just need to find a way to make that happen. Um, you know, I don't know that they'll put themselves in a position on Thursday, Hunter, where they say, hey, let's gamble and send POJ down and see what happens. Um, you know, they, I think they also feel like he's good enough to play. So until they find a solution, uh, we may kind of just ride this out for a little while longer uh, to your point until that space, you know, opens up a little bit more and they can, uh, you know, maybe make a switch. Yeah, the waiver wire is, you know, it's it's been interesting. I definitely understand why they could have been spooked, but, you know, you look at it and, you know, Mike Riley's going unclaimed, Nick Felino's not being claimed, a whole bunch of other veterans that have gone on waivers are not being claimed. So I really do wonder if POJ would have been claimed. That's yeah, just, you know, just because I mean, Mark Freeman, they put him on waivers. Someone easily could have taken him, mm-hmm. to be honest, because his metrics are solid. You know, good two-way defenseman who can play in both zones. Um, and nope, no one decided to take him. So um, I think you you, you have made you made a good point that they probably didn't want to risk losing him for nothing that they're trying to trade him. But you know, also could they be maybe looking to move a forward off this team if that's even possible? I don't really know who they would move necessarily. I know a lot of people have thrown out Brock McGinn out there. He makes two point seven five million. But the sense I get, at least, I mean, I haven't you know talked to many people, of course, inside the organization about this. But the sense I get, just me personally speaking is that the coaching staff really likes him and I don't think they want to just give up on him after one year. So I don't think that's the caps. I, I think if they're going to move some cap space or open up some cap space, excuse me, I don't think he's going to be the guy to go. Well, and they have such a disgusting log jam defensively, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're um, uh, that, that you would think the resolution uh, is going to come from there. Now, that being said, Elliot Friedman reported earlier today that there's uh, cold water on any uh, notion of Marcus Pedersen being that guy. That was in relationship to a report uh, stemming out of Vancouver. Uh, There was discussion about, you know, Pedersen's name coming up in trade talks and potentially heading back up there. Um, That does not appear to be the case at all. Um, um, That was kind of shot down by Elliot. So I don't know if that means that... uh, there's a big no-no on Pedersen period, or if it was just in the context of whatever that Canucks conversation was. Um, but, you know, that's worth noting, right? Because I think a lot of people were sort of pointing at Pedersen as the quote-unquote obvious choice. I never felt that way, just because I don't think you know, there's really a player like him on the roster. And, and although he's only good at a couple of things, the things that he's good at, he's really good at. Um, and you know, he's, he's limited, but limited in a way that this team needs. So, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I I wouldn't rule out the forward thing. I think the McGinn piece is not something I've personally heard a lot of scuttlebutt about, but like, that's my wishful thinking as well. You know, the salary for what he provides you. And I think you look back at his micro stats last year with regards to how he, you know, takes care of the puck with zone entries and zone exits, exits, it was just unremarkable, man. It's just unremarkable work. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the work that he gives you could be provided by a Drew O'Connor at a significantly lower cost. Um, and that's the difference. And, you know, I think anytime you're in a position, Hunter, where you're talking about $83,000 as available <laughs> cap space, right? And you're sub 100000 uh, you you need to start looking into those kinds of things, and you need to have those discussions. And again, to your point, 
I really do believe that Brock McGinn is a fine hockey player, but he's just very, I think for what you get, it's kind of bland, right? And especially when you're talking about a guy who's filling the shoes of a Brandon Tanev, those were loud, boisterous, heavy forechecking shoes. Um, mm-hmm. Frankly, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen anything close to that from Brock McGinn. So too much of a passenger for me. Um, you know, there's other players in the organization, um, you know, that can, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ultimately, um, you know, help this team a little bit more in the peripherals. Uh, and if, you know, we're not, we don't need somebody coming in. We don't need to have a conversation about, a, you know, an 18 goal score here. But I think if you could just get somebody that can more effectively kill penalties, you know, get on that forecheck a little bit. Um, you know, I talked a thousand times last year, Hunter. If this team's not forechecking, it's a sitting duck. You know, yeah. the way that the system works, I showed those highlights in the Rangers regular season games. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't forecheck in the system, you just get picked apart with a stretch pass. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying McGinn is is that, uh, but I, I just feel like that element, there's so there, there's more, right? There's more within the organization. There's more outside the organization that can help you stir that, that drink a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get to the forward depth a little later on for this episode, just because, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's as good as last year's and there's definitely some interesting players down there that I do want to get your thoughts on, but yeah, I mean, McGinn last year, just, eh, you know, double digit goals. That's good. You know, that's fine for yeah. a bottom six player penalty killing impacts though. Nose dived compared to where it was in Carolina. Um, five V five impacts nose dived a bit. Um, just was not as good as the, as he was the year before. And the penguins, I think were banking on that being the case again, you know, they lost on it and, you know, maybe, maybe they still like him quite a bit going into the season, but you know, he's still, Definitely someone that I would be looking at. And, you know, but going back to the defense real quick, Jesse, before we hit our commercial break, um, if Ty Smith is not up by Thursday, that means it looks like POJ is going to get into the lineup. And I think at that point, they're going to see what they have in him, at least for maybe a game or two. I mean, I'll probably get to see him um, by the sounds of it on Saturday um, when I go up to PPG Paints Arena to watch them play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, That means he'll play with Jan Ruta. And at that point, it's kind of sink or swim. You know, you've made the NHL roster, but Ty Smith is down there waiting to come up. He outplayed him, I think, in the preseason in camp. Um, you know, just just how big is this um, for POJ? And, and do you think, you know, he's ready for these bottom pairing minutes after what you saw in preseason in camp? Well, I think so, right? I mean, I, you'd hope. <laughs> I yeah. think there's not a lot left for him to pick up at the American Hockey League level, and he's now become sort of Hunter, one of those quad A players, right? Where he's too good for the American League, maybe not good enough for the American of the National Hockey League. The thing is, is that we know one thing we know for sure is that this is a very friendly deployment to players, right? We've seen any number of defensemen come through Pittsburgh and be rehabilitated, air quotes, via this deployment. So uh, he's also going to be playing with a guy in Jan Ruta who has played alongside Victor Hedman, um, yep. knows what he's doing, and should theoretically dominate a deployment like this. Um, so that being said, um, you know I think these are things you expect to have happen. Uh, what I look for for POJ is is the reads, um, switching on and off with defensemen, um, you know, knowing what zone of the ice he should be in. Um, where his lane is, you know, those are the things I think that he struggled with in the National Hockey League level last year. Uh, so that's where my mind's going and my eye will be on him. Um, you know, they're, they're going to, I think, start him a lot in the offensive zone, get him out there with the Crosby and Malkin pairing or uh, trios, um, try to give him those those 
quote unquote easy deployments. But when the game gets going, you start transitioning from offense to defense when things pick up speed, um, you know, that that's a different story and deployment be damned. Um, you know, your instincts and, and your, your habits take over there. So um, that's what I'm watching. I think that's where he's struggled enough that they haven't played him in the national hockey league. He's been in those elements mm. and um, you know, we'll see what he does in the, on that third pairing. Yeah. And I'm also hoping, you know, we get to see more of an offensive oomph kind of with him just because, you know, I think he was lauded as that kind of player um, coming out of junior and stuff. And so far, even at the NHL level, um, even I think down in the AHL too, just haven't really seen that big oomph yet. So I'm, I'm hoping to see a little more of that um, as, you know, it looks like right now he he may make his regular season debut on Thursday if he's not sent down through waivers or, you know, if he's not traded by the team at yeah. that point. But still a lot more to get to uh, for this episode of Locked on Penguins, um, bold predictions, forward depth, goaltending, um, so much more. But before we get to that. Let's get into Athletic Greens. So with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Contains less than one gram of sugar. There's also no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while it's still tasting good. It also costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Also has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. And that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. The show's Twitter is at LO Armstrong Penguins. My guest today is Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Jesse, thank you for um, congratulating me on the three years that I've been doing this. It's crazy how fast this has flown by. I started this when I was a senior in uh, college, and now I'm going to be 25 next month. It's just weird to think about. You'll still be doing it. You'll have like a house, kids, and whatever else going on. You'll, oh, be, yeah. <laughs> shouting <laughs> these milestones out later. Hopefully next month or in December, I'll be up in uh, Pittsburgh for good. That's, I mean, at least that's the plan right now. There you go. Um, I've been trying to give Hunter a part. People don't know this, but I've been trying to give you real estate advice. Um, but you know, I'm only good for, you know, really that really Southwestern area, Beaver County and into Crafton. If you're going outside of there, Hunter, don't ask me for help. <laughs> Give me no help to you whatsoever. Hey, I got a couple areas circled, got a couple areas I'm staying away from just for many reasons, but um, switching gears a little bit, Jesse, um, before depth, uh, I think, you know, the bottom six is definitely still one of my concerns going into this year. I love the top six. I mean, there's six players up there who I think, in my opinion, should score at least 20 goals. If not, a good chunk of them will score 30. Um, one, I actually have scoring 50 this year. I'm, I'm sure you all, I'm sure you know who that is. Um, bottom six, though, Danton Heinen, probably good for about 15, 16 goals. Jeff Carter, if he stays healthy, can score a little bit. I just want his numbers to go back to where they used to be. Kasperi Kapanen is just an agenda. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm just, frick, just a total wild card um, at this point. He'll turn it on and turn it off like it's nothing. And then the fourth line, you know, 
Brock McGinn, Teddy Bluger went healthy, Ryan Paling, Josh Archibald, just, you know, just a different kind of, you know, fourth line compared to years past where it was good offensively and defensively. Um, are you concerned about the floor depth going into this year at all? Or do you think it's, do you think it's, it'll probably be improved by the trade deadline or something? Uh, well, that's going to be tough, right? Given the yeah. uh, cap constraints that they have. It's a concern for me. It's like where the goal is going to come from. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think if you look last year, I'm like Brock McGinn at 12, mm-hmm. um, you know, Teddy at nine. Um, I don't expect a lot out of Josh Archibald offensively. Um, you know, he Neither. might give you a Dominic Simone level of output um, without, I think, the good supporting analytics. So it's, a, you know, it's tough. That, that You mentioned how good the top six is, top six is and that's 100% true. They, they've got to get more out of that third line. I think on paper, Heinen, Carter, and Kapanen is a good, is a good start. Um, you know, we've heard Kapanen talk about things that went wrong and not being happy and great, but the performance has to be in there on the ice. And what I think the frustrating part, Hunter, is that when he's not on and he's really off, he can kill your ability to possess the puck for a long periods of in the offensive zone. That stinks, right? And it's that like, pull up and shoot from a bad distance, you know, pull up and shoot high off the glass puck, exit the zone, break out for the team that just kind of robs you of the ability to maintain any semblance of an elongated shift. You need your third line to be able to do that, right? That's their job. That's what they're there for. So if they can't stay out on in the offensive zone and they're playing in the DN the whole time and, and chucks around, um, you've got a major problem. And I know that people don't traditionally or don't deploy third lines like they traditionally did you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s of like a checking line. Um, but it, this, this day, it's all about just not drowning in the defensive zone. And I think what's happening with them. So, um, you know, the Bluger magic, I don't want to be slanderous here, um, but the Bluger magic defensively lost a little bit of that, I think, Um with regard to McGinn coming in, Tanev going out, right? Zach Aston Reese is gone. The magic of that mm. line, you know, wasn't really there. Um, and it's not good enough offensively, I think, sometimes to make up for it. So um, I don't think Josh Archibald helps that. I mean, I'm sounding like I'm piling on here, but um, that that was, you know, to me, a, a bizarre signing. And I don't think he necessarily even really meshes well with Bluger and McGinn. So that yeah, to me is a line with a bizarre, ident- a bizarre identity. Right, like, what is that? I don't know what the identity of the bottom six is. Um, I don't know that it's anything they can really address. It is what it is. Um, I do think that the top six is going to be so good, it might not make a difference. <laughs> I think, like, like yeah. I, I think back to what the Crosby line did hunt in that in that playoff series before he got you know hit in the head, um, and the rate at which they were controlling the game. Uh, that's ins- it's insane, you know, what they were accomplishing out there. So, uh, if your top six is going to be that good. Um, you know, does it really matter? Uh, I don't know, but uh, oh, yeah. it's definitely a concern I have for sure. Yeah. Also, um, before I keep going, that was probably the worst mispronunci- mispronunciation of a word I think I've ever had. Enigma, excuse me. Wait. Um, don't know what the heck. I just had a case of the Mondays there. That is. Amazing. I didn't even notice it. Whatever. Um, no, I don't want to have someone tune out over that or something. But a case of the Mondays for this journalism major, that's for sure. Um. Anyways, but yeah, yeah, Jesse, I agree about the fourth line. Um, you know, 
the Archibald signing is it was so puzzling just because it was a day one signing. And I, I know Hex, I think Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports asked him about like I think it was Johan Larson. And he's like, Well, no, but I can tell you that George Archibald's gonna be a penguin. And he just had this little smug look on his face, like, oh well, haha, I signed him, and he just so proud of himself for it. Yeah. Um, I just you know, had a couple good years earlier in his career, but since then, just not much there. His underlyings are not that good. Um, I honestly kind of see this uh, um, playing out as him and Paling kind of rotating in and out when the team is healthy. Um, and I'm not really yeah. sure what they're going to get out of Paling either. I mean, kind of an yeah, I think un- kind of an unimpressive career in Montreal. Underlyings kind of eh, had his had a hat trick in his first NHL game. Actually, which is cool to, to cool to you know, that's a cool fun fact about him. But since then, you know, the former first round pick just hasn't panned out. And I think Mike Sullivan's hoping they can unlock something in him, but you know, it just kind of seems like he's a fourth liner and that's it. Oh, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he is at, at his best, you know, um, in addition to your to your fourth line. <clears throat> you know, overall, uh, there's potential, I think, for him. Uh, in his in his defensive game, um, I think he proved in the preseason he's got a little bit of energy and can fit into the forechecking system. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like an an incomplete sample of things that are going on with him. Um, but you know, I like what I've seen so far. I like what I I think I think frankly, um, I hope we get to see a little bit more of him because um, again, um, you know, traditionally he's been discussed as being really strong defensively. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you would think there would be a harmony there with Teddy Bluger, um, which is something I think is worth exploring for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, just if they really want a full defensive fourth line, having Paling on there, I think makes more sense than Archibald. I mean, I just don't know how much goal scoring he's going to provide you. I mean, if it's going to be more than Archibald or something like that, um, you know, what they, what I think they should do is just have Drew O'Connor up there. Cause I think he's better than both, but um, sadly, he did not make the team, and he's going to start the season down at Wilkes-Barre. But honestly, with how this team is so banged up all the time, I honestly just expect him to be up there within two weeks or something. On, yeah, they built the arena on the site of the former West Penn Hospital. Um, it's cursed land, Hunter. Yes. That's just the reality of the situation. I've said this multiple times. It's cursed land. It is. And I don't know what we're going to do about that, but uh, just have good depth, I guess, right? It is. Now, can't have a seance or anything that I'm aware of. I don't know anyone who does that. I'm not aware of anyone who hosts seances or uh, exorcism. There's a church at the top of the hill. Uh, when you're in town Saturday, stop up there uh, and ask them if they're willing to come down <laughs> and do a quick cleanse. Yeah, I, I, will def- I will definitely add that. It also doesn't help that you know they, they lost the final game at Mellon Arena history. Maybe there that's just like the igloo is just giving PPG Paints Arena a curse for, for that or something. I don't know could be yeah Yeah. who knows um moving gears a little bit jesse are you on the jason zucker redemption tour this season because i surely am i think you know he looked great in the preseason looked great in training camp and i said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago i probably said about three thousand times um one of my bold predictions that he's going to score 20 to 25 this year if he stays healthy of course but i'm fully on board i think he's you know getting a lot of minutes with malkin and rust will do wonders for him he's one of the team's best four checkers um, I think he is also a player that can go to the dirty areas of the net and get some greasy goals. Um, what are your thoughts on um, our nice Jewish boy going into uh, this season? Look, I mean, played injured against the Rangers and I thought looked fine yeah. uh, doing so, which is a tough ask. Um, we kind of have, I think, 
you know, the, 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 the stars have never aligned for Jason Zucker in his time in Pittsburgh. Um, part of that has been, you know, obviously like being chronically injured, um, which is something he's had to deal with. Um, and then I think part of that is just, you know, having times of times of posting historically low shooting percentages um, and having just some vanilla supporting data. Uh, it's not, it's not all been there. And I think that uh, he's going to have the opportunity. It looks like to play with Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust. Those two traditionally um, are just behemoth level when they're together yeah. uh, and everything they touch turns to gold. So you would assume that that is like a ripe sort of environment for him. I go back to the, the, the goal he scored in the overtime of the preseason game a couple weeks ago. Um, that was a good sign because it was him driving to the net, right. And getting to a scoring area and then, you know, letting chance play in his favor, uh, which I think is something you like to see if, if you're looking for positive signs, uh, coming in healthy, uh, showing you know a nose for the net. Um, I think this we're all. I think we're all. A lot of us are in the boat of like, hey, this is the point where it really is going to come together finally, um, and we're going to see it click. This is a good player. You know, I I know that he's been maligned in Pittsburgh and it hasn't gone the way uh, any of us kind of had expected it to, especially him. But this is a good player that that has abilities that I think make him a Raquel-like presence on the second line, where we talked about like Raquel being a space creator and getting to open areas of the ice and getting in the boards, et cetera, et cetera. Zucker, look at his forechecking ability. Mm. We, we look back at that Ranger series, Hunter. He was one of the best forecheckers the Penguins had. Doing that on one leg, um, by the way. On one leg, yeah. So you would think that that's a, a, a harbinger of good things to come. Um, I like what he brings. I, I think, again, I'm going to talk about forechecking the whole duration of the show because uh, I do think it's that important for the Penguins. Um, that is an element that that I look forward to him from him, uh, to look forward from him. Uh, and I think that uh, it, it's a critical role, Hunter, for that for that line. And, it, and, you know, I know we'll get into Jeff Petrie, but if you think about a lot of things seem to come together here that take the burden off of Evgeny Malkin of carrying that puck in all the time. And I think that that's, that's good. I think if you think of it this way, Hunter, I said this on, on Dying Alive with Pat Damp today. If Gino's not the one carrying the puck in, Pat, he's the one, or Hunter, he's the one getting the pass, right? He's the one getting the pass. If he's not carrying the puck in, you're setting him up when you cross the blue line. And I think he's just surrounded by guys um, defensively and offensively that are going to help him this year to do that. And I think that that bodes well for his scoring rates. I think it bodes well for the rate uh, at which the team can break the puck into the zone. Um I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, to it's a totally different, uh, dynamic, um, for me, um, than it was in the past. I, I, I think all of these elements create perhaps, shall we say, this is going to make it sound, I don't want to make it paint a picture Hunter of, you know, Malkin is this irresponsible puck carrier who can't get it done anymore. No, I think he was just in an environment where he felt he needed to do it. He didn't have the supporting cast. It didn't seem like John Marino was interested in it for a really long time. Uh, Marcus Pedersen doesn't do that well, right? No. Um, that was kind of the environment that he was in. And um, I think it's a different one now, one that that hopefully spreads that wealth around. And if they can create more elongated shifts, I mean, look, Evgeny Malkin spending more time in the offensive zone, they're, you're never going to get me to uh, agree that that's a bad thing. Uh, so I look forward to that. I look forward to that line elongating their shifts and being more of a threat for longer periods. 
um, and and taking a bigger control over that expected goal share. Yeah, I mean that that would be obviously great. And you know, you you did mention Jeff Petrie. We're actually going to get into him, but right after uh, these few messages here. All right. We're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Excuse me, the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, so, Jesse, yes, you did mention Jeff Petrie. Big acquisition over the offseason for Mike Madison, a player who um, I definitely think they did not want to trade. Um, sounds like they wanted to put someone else in that deal. If you know, from you know, I think it was Pedersen and Bluger, from what I read from Josh Yowie, um, and that and, and that kind of stuff. But um, I think that 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 deal is going to really affect Evgeny Malkin in a great way because Petrie's going to be playing a lot of minutes with him. And you know, you think about these last few years when Malkin's been on the ice, who who have who have been the defensemen that have been trying to give him the puck? John Marino, good defensively, you know, offensively, not all the way there yet. Marcus Pedersen, good player, but you know, he's not that guy too. Go back a couple years. Got Justin Schultz or the corpse of Justin Schultz at that point. Jack Johnson wasn't any good. Um, he's kind of had it really rough just because, you know, who's playing the most minutes with Cindy Crosby? Brian Jim mm-hmm. and Chris Latang, just because, you know, Sid gets those minutes with Latang. He, he, you know, that's that's just how it works. Um, but this year, um, it's gonna be a bit different. Petrie's probably gonna get a lot of those minutes. Um, just how much is that gonna be a, a big factor in getting, you know, Malkin to, you know, stay at a point per game? rate and you're just having a really strong year. I think it's going to be, you know, again, a huge help. Um, I think it changes the entire way puck distribution works mm-hmm. um, for that group um, and how they choose to break the puck out of the zone and what their options look like. Um, that's, that's a big win for me. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the dynamic goes, you know, last year, I think a lot of people made a big poo-poo about, well, you know, it was a down year for Jeff Petrie. It was this, that, and the other. You know, that's true. I, I, it was um, his his on ice shooting percentage and some of his offensive peripherals were the worst they they had been in a while. Um, you know, th- things did change when Martin St. Louis came in and you know kind of took the cop the top off of that Ducharme system yeah. and you know opened it up a little bit more, which is good because that's what the Penguins do, right? So you kind of think that that's a good fit. Um, it's a big switch for him, I think you know, uh, systematically, uh, this will be a big change, but I'm excited about it for him. I think, I, I think it's a good fit. Um, these are going to be some of the more talented players he's played with in a while. Uh, no shot to the Canadians. Uh, I, it's a totally different dynamic. And I think, again, I go back to this, uh, to the, to the, to the breakout and what he does, um, and what his strengths have traditionally been on the breakout. It just, it's, it unburdens some of those forwards, you know, mm. um, and, and there's one more thing I'll throw at you, too, when you talk about John Marino. John Marino was actually pretty decent at getting the puck out of the zone. Oh. Um, he didn't do it at a great – it didn't do it at a great rate. Um, but when he but when he did it, he did it well. Where he really, I think, lost it was providing offense for that line in the defensive – in the offensive zone. Pinching in – you know, I wrote an article last year with video examples of him being, you know, one and a half, um, you know, two seconds late um, to his reads – and and that's not Jeff Petrie will not be late to those reads. I think if anything, you know he's really going to be he's really going to be driving them um, and and creating even more opportunities offensively. So I look forward to it. I think it's a great dynamic. It's a great fit for him um, to kind of join you know the, the the this team's 
you know, final sort of run is, is the window, uh, you know, we, we wonder how long it stays open, but um, it's one remove that I think Hextall made that, you know, he and Ruta will, will certainly provide a little bit more oomph in front of the net um, and not in a bad thing, not in a bad way, excuse me, not in like a, you know, me hit you overhead bonk, you know, Kevin Hatcher style of defense. Um, it's more of like, you know, finesse, you know, physicality and, and, and providing in other areas too. So uh, I, I think that's a good change for the Penguins. So uh, this is like, this to me is one of the more exciting parts of going into this year is seeing how this group comes together and what the dynamic of this defensive uh, six plays out to be. Because there are some very good players in here. I mean, I go back to Jan Ruda, right? This is a guy who is playing with Victor Hedman and you're using him on your third pairing as sort of like the rock there, right? That, that he should eat that alive. You know, he really should. And I, and I think that, you know, regardless of who the partner is on the other side, there's potential for him to really feast there. So uh, I'm looking forward to the, the maturation of this group moving forward. Yeah. And I really do think Petrie's going to be a, a good addition to even the defensive side of the ice. You know, I definitely think the management group, they, they saw what happened in game seven where, you know, Marino had that horrific turnover um, that led to the Zibanejad goal. And honestly, if Petrie's on the ice right there, he probably whacks that thing around the boards. Like, you know, I think Marino probably should have done it with Ruta. You know, they wanted more size in front of the net, as you said. They didn't feel like they had enough oomph there just because, you know, I mean, they, some of their defensemen just weren't as good in front of the net. So they went out and got him. Um, some people questioned it, but, you know, he's had good underlines in Tampa Bay. You're right. Playing with Victor Hedman is no slouch. He's one of the three best defensemen in the league um, and he put up good numbers with him. So um, yeah. he, he should, no matter who he's playing with Ty Smith, PO Joseph, Mark Freeman, if he's called up at some point, um, he should be able to really um, destroy those guys. I, I'm excited to watch him this year, just because I didn't really watch a lot of him when he was in Tampa Bay. I would always, of course, watch Hedman on that pairing because it's Victor freaking Hedman, but you know, Ruta, right. you know, solid defensive player who, you know, I think he contributed uh, more than one way um, this season. Switching gears a, a little bit, Jesse. One thing I did notice that they were doing during the preseason in a training camp, uh, they were experimenting with the penalty kill a little bit. Um, and that included Kasperi Kapanen on that top unit. And I think that's something that I've been advocating for a lot during the offseason. He was great at it in Toronto, especially I believe that 2018-19 season um, in the playoffs against Boston. I think he had a goal or two um, during the regular season. He had uh, numerous goals and um, it looked like he seemed to be a natural fit during some of the preseason games. Um, do you think that could be a way to really kickstart him a little bit this season just because he struggled mightily last year, no matter the situation he was in? I think that this is more about trying to find players that can execute the penalty killing structure uh, more effectively on the penalty kill. Oh. Um, they they run what's basically referred to as like a, a diamond, right? That's that's their structure. It's pretty common penalty kill at any level of the game. Um, but the top three players on the diamond, uh, sort of like the top triangle of players, um, the points sort of jut out and attack the power play, right? These are like the active sort of arms of the penalty kill that go out and they really are about disrupting whatever it is the opponent's trying to do. They take the pressure to the buck carrier at the wall and at the point and stay engaged angularly in their attacks. 
they don't go out and finish checks on her, right? That's not the goal. Mm-hmm. The goal is to just make people uneasy and keep the fuck on the perimeter, keep it moving, right? Um, they were just late to that last year. I think as the year went on, as the power play kind of like lost its effectiveness, you watch the, the save percentage go down too at the same time. And I think that those two things go hand in hand. I don't think the goalies suddenly got worse at, at saving the puck on the penalty kill. I think that the, the penalty killers got worse at keeping the puck outside for the goalies. And it's not a surprise to consider Tristan Jari having a ridiculous, um, you know, if you go back, I think I was two say, years yeah. ago, his, mm-hmm. his save percentage in shorthanded situation was 870. Last year, through the first like 80 minutes and some change, it was like over 95%. He was bailing them So out it was a, a total. Lot. Yeah, but, but I see, I don't think that he was bailing them out on her. I think that they were giving him easy opportunities. Okay. I think what you got out of it was like a penalty kill who was keeping everything to the outside. They were keeping all the chances low percentage. And that's Tristan Jari should save 95% of those shots, right? Like that's that makes sense. I think as it went down, as his as his play, as the save percentage declined, so did the 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 the, the quality metrics of what they were allowing against them. Um, it went the opposite way. Um, so I think I think the goal is to get players into those positions, Hunter, that can quickly and Kapanen can do it. And the guy's got legs and he has a good burst. He's very good at accelerating. Uh, that's what they need from him is go out there and just go hard for five, six strides and force that guy to move the puck. Right? Then puff, then get back, get in your position and wait till that guy gets the puck and get it. Boom. Five, six strides, go attack him. They should have an internal clock that ticks pressure, pressure, pressure. Okay, back off. And that like that's gonna help. So I think that they're really just looking to get that jolt of energy kind of infused back into that penalty kill because again, much like the five on five structure, if that element's not there, if you're not kind of cranking that penalty kill and, and getting those guys active, you're just gonna get picked apart uh, and people will um, make you look silly. And you saw that in the playoff series, Jesse. They were kind of playing, I wouldn't even say they were playing aggressive. They were passive against the Rangers, just letting Adam Fox do what he wants at the point. And he was just picking them apart, right? Going to Chris Kreider, going to Panarin, going to Zibanejad. And I was just like, that was not the same unit that I thought I saw during the regular season. It was just they were giving them way too much time and space. I guess that's what I'm worried about going into the regular season. I just don't want that to be the norm against all the other teams i get that the rangers have a top power play don't get me wrong it was one of the main reasons why they were got to the conference final last year and almost got to the Stanley cup final but you know that's not the way i want to see them penalty kill just because it's it was unlike anything i'd ever seen going back to the regular season yeah so um you know i think at the end of the day it's that it's that structure that you know um I also wonder, too, something for us to keep an eye on, I think all of us to keep an eye on, like, the first two weeks of the season is do they throw something completely different at us? Like, do we go out and, like, see the Penguins run, like, a box penalty kill? Do they change it up? Have they gotten new personnel in there because they plan on doing something different? We just haven't seen it yet. That's kind of, like, a cool possibility as well um, that I think is worth mentioning um, because there's a chance that they don't even do the same thing as they did um, and maybe we're seeing some of these players in here because, um, you know, they're changing the focal point. So um, the, the beginning of any season, I don't care, like, who you're a fan of or what team you're watching is always fun uh, because you try to figure stuff like that out. <laughs> and you try to watch and say, like, is this different? Are they doing anything different? Does the structure look different? Um, you know, I think it's fun to 
I think the other question I'll ask you specific to the personnel on the penalty kill, um, and this is a rhetorical question, uh, but do they need to get more aggressive in the neutral zones? Um, are they a little too passive with what the other team is doing when they're on their control to break out? Um, what does that pressure look like? Is that different? Um, do they have more pre like pre-snap movement, so to speak, where like they're trying to confuse the breakout or they're you know taking away and giving away lanes? I don't know. Um, I, I think that that we've seen enough to know that when the lanes aren't there and you're at the perimeter, historically, you're going to get a good performance out of your goaltending. Yeah. Um, so finding that again, um, I think is the challenge. Um, we see teams like, you know, I think generally sometimes get found out, you know, and sometimes I think teams can manipulate, um, you know, there's not a ton of penalty killing systems in this league. Um, they're all kind of recyclable. Um, so I think sometimes you just have to change it up just to keep people guessing and keep them on their toes and make the tape look different. Yeah. I mean, that's, all great points. And, you know, I, I mean, sometimes, you know, I was watching, especially in the playoff series, they would just let the Rangers just come in the zone really easily. And then just kind of, again, back off a little bit. I'm like, you know, you're, they weren't being as aggressive as I thought they would be in the neutral zone. And, you know, it's funny because when I watched the Penguins on the power play in that series, they were having a hard time even getting the puck. I felt like in the offensive zone, just kind of like a weird 180, I guess. In a way. Yeah. So, um, I'm definitely going to add that to my list, Jesse, just kind of maybe some systematic changes that Mike Sullivan wants to make at the beginning of the season to the special teams units, even his five on five play. Um, but the vibe check, I think will be back this year. I think if you hundred percent, no, we're not getting rid of the vibe check. If this system is the same, uh, the vibe check has to live on because it's, I think it really does paint the picture for what's going to happen for the rest of the evening. Although we've seen them like mid game, just decide to start for checking too. So um, that's the thing with this group hunters. They're they're all they've been around the block, man. Like they know what's going on. They know they know when to exert their energy, right, and when not to. And the difference between a Tuesday night game in November and you know game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's pretty distinct. So um, that's that's the other piece to this too. Is I think like we've even seen them adapt and adjust in game, or that light bulb goes off and they're like, okay, like time to get it together. Um, I guess that's the luxury of having one, you know, three Stanley Cups, <laughs> you know, having that sense for the game and knowing, um, you know, when the time is right. And every year without fail, without fail, excuse me, you always see some fans just freaking out at the beginning of the season and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure you yeah. will see that this year just because look at the October schedule. It's bad. It is. They have a massive road trip right before Halloween, Columbus. Then they go out to Western Canada. They have a, ton of other road games in this month it, i would not be surprised if they're honestly around 500 or a little below and people are going to freak out but you know they hit they hit a hot streak usually when december rolls around i think last year they won seven or eight around that time everything will be fine that they know as you said when to really bring it and when to not really bring it which is usually like a tuesday night february game against the new jersey devils or something like that so right. um they they will be fine I think with regards to that, um, I'm going to have you hit me with some bold predictions here. Jesse, you got, you got any to throw at me on the show? I had a couple, couple, uh, I had, I think three or four three weeks ago on the show here that I put out there. Let me give the floor to you. What do you got? I'll tell you what, man, I am in the same boat as you is that I think Jake Gensel is going to score 50 goals this year. Uh, I think he's got a healthy Sidney Crosby, um, 
you know, not that that really makes a difference, but you saw what they just did in that preseason game. Like they're thinking 3D chess level already. Um, I love the Raquel edition. Um, he's going to get the power play time. I think he's going to do it. I just, you know, last year, uh, the circumstances, I mean, 84 points is a great year. He still scored 40 goals, 44 assists. Um, but this this year to me, I think scoring, even though it might go down a little bit as a result of the schedule and the way things are shaking out that way, um, I have a hunch, man. I just think he's he's gotten bigger again. Uh, he's got a little more size. He's going to be tougher to move. Um, I know 10 goals is a lot of goals, Hunter. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of goals, right? You know, you don't, I don't know. I'm sticking with it. I think the, I think he's going to put 50 in and uh, learn a little bit more towards his own shot this year and maybe lean on that a little bit more. Would always love to see that, and hopefully he can be one of only a few players to hit 50. Um, you got any other ones? My, my Probably my boldest one that I'll give you that I showed on the show a couple weeks ago Tristan Jari is going to be a Vezina finalist. He just stole it. Man, well, no, I'm not going that far. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that is my I don't know about one. that. I have, I, I have a Vezina finalist for him, but I want to see what yours is for him. I have him as one of the top, top – I mean, top third goalies in the league easily. Mm. I, I would say maybe, like, if we look at a raw stat, Hunter, like goals saved above average mm. um, or something that's, like, neutral to the, to the team – I would say like maybe he finds himself like fifth, sixth in the league. Um, I, I just I wouldn't be shocked by it. Um, his, you know, Dom assigns a really high value to him uh, in terms of of uh, um, you know the preseason prediction. His model, um, Micah's model, is very friendly to him. Um, algorithmically speaking, um, math believes it's going to be a good year for Tristan Jari. The eye test from last year, I think, says it's going to be a good year for Tristan Jari. So I'm not – I wouldn't be shocked by that. The other one I'll throw at you, too, just for um, S's and G's, is I think that Danton Heinen scores 20 goals. Okay. Just whatever. 18 last year, right? Close. He was close. And I know you know things are what they are. Guys are going to get hurt, like you said. He's going to get time in the top six when that happens because that's – you think he's the best equipped player for it. Um, the lack of special teams hurts him, uh, but I'm that's my third and final uh, bold prediction for you as Danton Heinen comes back and does it again for us uh, at a ridiculously low value and Love comes it. out with one of the best value contracts in the National Hockey League this year. That's perfect. And what was your Jari one? I don't know if you fully said it. Uh, I just would that. say, like, I think analytically, right, like from goals saved above average and stuff like that, I think he's he's going to be at, in the top, like somewhere around five or six in the league okay. this year. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I don't know that I would, like, Vezina discussions are usually limited to three, right? So I think he'll be outside of that. Um, I think that they'll, you know, he may receive a couple of votes here or there. But um, overall, though, I think just, again, like a very solid year living inside the top 10 of most of the major goaltending metrics. Why is it, though? I don't know, man. The weird It's so weird. Like saying that, I feel like people are already chirping me on Twitter and it. it's not the show's not even out yet. But like y'all need to just go back and look at your history real quick. Like it's just like I don't I don't know why people like I, I've said positive things about Jari going into this year and always receives this hugely negative reaction. Um, which I think is still driven off of that bad playoff performance two years ago, 
which is fair. You know, he didn't have a chance to shake that off last year. I think if he had, you know, I people tweeted me last year, Hunter, over and over again. I only care about what happens in the playoff. And I asked my response to that was always fair, fine. Like, let's wait. We'll see what happens when we get there. And then he gets robbed of the chance to play. Um, but I think that would have put a lot of it to bed. You know, if the Penguins were to, you know, just cruise through New York in five on the back of his strong performance in that top line, uh, nobody would care that I just said that. No one would care. But now they care because he didn't have that opportunity. So it'll be another long year of 82 games of what do you do for me in the playoffs talk when it comes to Tristan Jari. That's me channeling my inner angry Yenzer, by the way. Hopefully he will, you know, actually be able to get to the playoffs fully healthy this time. Um, But I like that one too. Um, Real quickly, this is a, I'll give, I'll ask you this one. Who's getting the first goal of the season on Thursday? Ooh, who's getting the first goal of the season on Thursday? I'm going to go with Sidney Crosby. Okay. First shift early. The Coyotes are a mess. Uh, get out there. Uh, get us. Get it. Get a. Get one of those ESP goals uh, where you're, you know, subconsciously mind linked with Jake Gensel. Um, and distributing him pucks um, five, you know, five seconds ahead of where everybody else is in the game. So that's my prediction. That's very specific. I just went very specific there. I, lo- I love, uh, but I'm, I'm taking Sid. Yeah. Trying to think. Okay, I'm gonna give mine. <laughs> and you gotta, you know, here's the other thing too, Hunt. We, we let's make sure. And it was just a PSA for the people that listen to your fine program. Let's make sure we really take some time and enjoy Sidney Crosby. Maybe in this first game. Maybe Evgeny Malkin and Latang too. Take a night where you don't complain about anything, and you just sit down and you just watch them play, and you say, eh, "This is great." You enjoy yourself. Maybe you have an alcoholic beverage. Maybe you don't. That's fine. I don't care. But just give yourself one night of enjoyment. You say, "You know, the band's back together, right?" I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this. Exactly. In. You know, they're playing. They've almost played together for 20 years at this point. We've been ridiculously spoiled Crazy. during this era. Go out and watch three, three of the best players to ever suit up in this uh, for this franchise. And you know, I think Sid. I don't know if this is a bold prediction. I think he's going to hit close to 100 this year, 100 points. Um, I should say he was probably he was on pace to do it last year. Had not had COVID yeah. and the wrist injury and stuff. For my point, well, and then I mean, like I said too, look what he did in the playoffs. Oh. I mean, that was like I, I tweeted out that like it felt unfair to have to like watch Crosby get derailed by uh, a hit to the head twice in his career when he was playing, you know, some of his best hockey. Um, that was on another level. It was the kind of performance that reminded me of what I saw in Nashville uh, in 2017 uh, when he literally drugged the team to the cup uh, and just took the game over and started dunking on, on PK Subban and, and, and the whole team, you know, over and over again. Um, we're not, we're not that far removed from the playoffs Hunter, right? Like that wasn't that long ago. Um, father time, I don't think is just suddenly coming in the night and swept Sidney Crosby away from us. Um, I think we're going to get a lot more of the same this year. I'm definitely excited about him. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. My first goal, Jesse, I'm going to go, mm, I'm going to go off that box. I'm going to go Ricard Raquel gets it. Actually. I think he's, yeah, I think that too. I, I think he's, you know, he's playing on the top line. They're going to really see how that small sample size from last year carries over, has that wicked shot. Great skating ability with the Penguins. I think he's going to you know, get one from about, no, I think 10, 15 feet out. I think it's not going to be super close, but I think it's going to be, you know, that close Kunitz range. Yeah. yeah that, that Overtime of the Eastern Conference final game seven range there. 
Oh yep. man, no, that was, what a moment! Uh, yeah. I think yeah, right, right around that spot. I think maybe on the right side of the ice. Yep. That's how that right hand shot. Uh, last thing I got for you before I let you go. Yeah. Um, how do you see this team finishing um, in the in the division, and how do you see them uh, faring in the playoffs? I, I think the Carolina wins the division, Hunter. So I think that's that. I took that away as a gimme. I think not a gimme. I think they'll they'll do it uncomfortably. Uh, I think the Penguins and the Capitals are the next two in line. I just don't know what order they're going to finish in. I think that it'd probably be likely that they finish with the same number of points. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I'm going to give to the edge of the Penguins because of some of the injury troubles that the Capitals have and some of the, the depth they're going to have to call on in the early part of the year. Um, but I, I, I think that you're looking at Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington, and New York. If I had to go in a direction, uh, that's what I'm going. You could probably move the Rangers and Capitals potentially. I think that all of those teams, you'll be able to throw a blanket over them. Um, and outside of Carolina, Hunter, you could probably take those three and mix them up in any order, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think they'll all finish very close to each other. Um, I do this thing every year mentally where I doubt the Penguins really hard for a while, most of the summer, and then the models come out and remind me that I shouldn't do that. Uh, and that's the stage I'm in right now is the models are saying you're dumb for doing that. Don't. Uh, and uh, I mean, like there are some models that are coming out that think this team might even win the division. So um, they're going to be in the hunt. Uh, they're going to be right in there. Um, they've got to take care of business in the Metro. They got to take care of business in the Metro against the bad teams in the Metro, right? That's the big keep for me is to be able to beat up on Philadelphia to be, which is great to say, to be able to beat up on, on, uh, you know, the Islanders to get those games in against Columbus. Um, you and know, if they can somehow beat the devils more than one time in a season, that would be great. That'd be, that'd be unbelievable. Um, <laughs> they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be even tougher out this year. So, um, yeah, so that's what I think. I think they're going to be, uh, somewhere in that top, that, that second or third position. And then you have, uh, and obviously you have them making the playoffs. You have them winning a round two or not, um, not sure yet. I think that this group Hunter has one long run left in it. And I think this is probably the year this year, or the next year is the one that we're going to get that long run. Um, it probably should have been last year. Uh, I don't think they can win the cup. I think what you have is a handful of really good cup contenders, right? A handful of them, both, both conferences. And then the very next group, the Penguins are at the top. They're at the top of that team, that tier that you don't consider contenders for the Stanley Cup. But they're very good, and they're that team that you're like, hey, if they get in, right, anything can happen, right? Anything can happen. They know how to win, and that's sort of the discussion. So it all comes down to health, man. That that's the that is the end all be all for this group. If they can stay healthy, they can keep themselves in it. Um, there you go. So. Well, my cat has come. Yeah, I was about to comment. The cat, the cat, the cat is loving takes. this. Yeah. The cat's loving the discussion here. Yeah. Or he's about to attack me. One of the two. He's, 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 <laughs> I don't know what, yeah. he's, uh, what he's doing there, but. Uh, it's Mike. Uh, <laughs> again, man, I really do appreciate you coming on. This was a great discussion. Almost an hour. We probably could have gone for another hour. Oh, for sure. Two, but I don't want your cat to just maul you there. No, he's um, not going to. He's just looking no. for some attention. Right? No, 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 I'm just, I'm just messing. I actually saw him earlier <laughs> coming down the stairs. I was like, oh, he's probably going to come up there at some point. And yeah, you know, yeah. Sure enough. This but, is his uh, second podcast today, so he's getting irritated. He's like, <laughs> I think he's, he's like, come on. Yeah. He's like, come on, Let's Dad. Let's wrap this thing up doing? and get to the treats. Yeah. 
Um, Jesse, I'll tell you, how about you tell the listeners, uh, what you got cooking at the athletic and all that stuff. Yeah. So I've got the, the regular old stuff at the athletic uh, video analysis and breakdown. I got a new gig this year I'm doing too. So you can find my work. I will be talking about anything other than the penguins at McKean's. So all the video breakdowns I do at the penguins, you also be able to read that at McKean's this year for the rest of the national hockey league. Um, I'm filling in for Rachel Dory on the Stefan Graf podcast, uh, at the hockey news. So you can check that out with me and Mikey Stevens. Uh, and then I have my own podcast with Pat uh, and Mike Darnay, uh, Dying Alive. Uh, we brought brought that back from the dead for the season, resurrected that bad boy, did a show today. we got to get you on there. Got to get you on Dying Alive soon and have you as a guest. Uh, but no. that's it. That's Yeah. That's you it. know, you've been saying that, Jesse, for like a year. Dude, I have. We've been playing promises, man. I'm just... Well, Hunter, we only do two shows a year. Yeah. So, And this one we already did one. So you only have one show left this year before, <laughs> before we get you in. So, the booking is just so thin, you know. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One down, one to go. So I'll have to see if I get a maybe like a fifty. Work smarter, not harder, baby. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been a blast, Jesse. Really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Um, I'll have another episode for you all on Tuesday. Um, uh, Nick Berlanski and Nick Harwell of Tippy Iceberg will actually be joining the show for the first time in I think well over a year. Um, great to have them on. Wednesday we'll do a game preview of the game against the Coyotes. Thursday will be a recap. And then Friday, we'll be previewing the game against Tampa Bay. And that episode will probably take place somewhere um, in the 412 before I head, before I um, go to the game on Saturday. So I can't wait for that. But uh, again, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. And for the listeners, I'll talk with you all on Tuesday.